0: So Josiah and I just hit the road running without even an introduction. You are hearing stories from people whose lives have been interrupted, and yet they're using their stories to help others. Have you ever thought of using your story to help others by writing a book or creating a podcast? Well, then you're in the right place. Go to www.coachlaurie.com for all the details. Has your life, your dreams been interrupted? Good news. It is possible to reinvent our lives. People are doing it every day. And some are brave enough to share the struggles, disappointments, and challenges. If you are looking for a new beginning, a do-over, or to rediscover your passion, maybe even find a new one, then grab a cup of coffee and let's talk. Interrupted. Act 2. Reinventing Your Legacy with your host, Coach Lori.
1: I have some goals in my life. I do some coaching. I'm trying to do more coaching in the real estate world. I already have my team and some connections, and I'm really trying to become a Keller Williams University presenter, which has more hoops to jump through than you'd think, in order to do more speaking engagements. I ran a real estate team for the last 17 years. What I enjoy and what I'm good at is really presenting. I enjoy that. I enjoy being on and then off. I could be gone and then I need to regroup. I'm a widow. My husband passed away after 28 years of marriage. Love of my life. Just an incredible, and I always say, when your mother-in-law has only good things to say about you, that's a good review. And my mom doted on how amazing, when John and I started dating, she goes, this man sees you with, through the eyes of an angel. Just an amazing guy. It'll be four years that he's passed away from cancer. Oh, I'm so so sorry. Thank you. I was 42 when I found out he had cancer. So I feel like my 40s were completely stripped of me because it was just caregiving for four years. We have four boys. So when John died, I had four teenage boys at home. That's a lot of testosterone. Three of them are triplets. We're really comfortable just in terms of we talk about John. We talk about, and like, I will do things that are messier. John was very clean. I'll eat a cookie off the ground or something and my kids will will laugh because I'll look and they'll be like, dad would not approve. I'm like, I know dad's in heaven. So, hey, no one's watching me. We joke about him a lot and we bring him into conversation, I think in a really healthy way. And it's still been a lot every week. I'm kind of down to about twice a week. I allow myself to say stinking John. And that's when I'm going through cords or trying to do something that I like very much believe is not my job which would include teaching triplet boys how to drive cars. That should never have fallen on my plate. Luckily, my older son, he is 22, and he was horrific during high school. John had cancer, just horribly depressed. I didn't know he'd make it, to be honest. I just just really didn't know if he was going to make it, and there's only so much you can do. And as soon as John died, that young man, he stepped up, and he is a different person. He's been running a business for the last year successfully. He just left our home for the first time and is in North Carolina for six months, and he has a canine program for police dogs and military and bombs. I feel like my life's been interrupted a few times, and I was in some ways prepared for it. Who I am at my foundation, at my core, is I am a Christian. I believe in God's timing for my life and I believe that that I feel like he took John home early and I know that he took John home when it was his time. And that's really hard to deal with sometimes, but I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. And I think that's a big thing. One of the things I talk about a lot is the difference between happiness and peace. And I have like a whole presentation on that. And culturally, I think it's huge. Looking to be happy is a setup for disappointment because happiness feels like a a point in time. I'm on a roller coaster. This is exciting. I'm on a this. It's exciting. But you can't live there. You're setting yourself up for the next thing to make you high and happy. Well, peace is really different. So I look for peace. I actually have a life calendar that I made after John died. I made a great big one in my team colors with a little quote on it. And it has like all the days. So 365 days going across. And it has little just like little boxes. And it has it set up in groups of 10. And it goes for 90 years. I crossed off all the beginning ones. These are all the years I had with John. And then I have, this is where I'm struggling. Even though I might not really engage with it every day, I see it every day. It reminds me how much of my life has already been spent and how much, if I'm lucky, I still have left. And that's really not a lot when you're looking on a calendar. So you can either let that make you be fearful or forward motion. I choose that more often. And there are days I choose not. Some days I choose I'm in bed and this is where I'm at. But for me, one of the the keys with that was I wanted to say, probably about two years ago, I came up with this when I did it. And I said, I want to be able to say I've had a successful day. And what does success look like for me? And I wanted to have something that was simple enough that if I had been in my 20s, that this would have equaled success. And if I'm in my 90s and I am bedridden, that this still equals success. So for me, I actually added one-fourth one to it, but the three core are I had a conversation with God. That can simply mean my conversation with God can be, God, today really, really sucks. I don't know what to do. I have no words, so help me make it through the day. It could be that simple, and that might be bad days. The other one is I have a meaningful conversation. So I have a lot of what I would call nonsense filler conversations just because you have to in life. And I want to have at least one meaningful conversation a day where I've invested and listened to somebody and poured into them in some way. That equals success. And that's easy to do. And then the other one, I have purposefully enjoyed nature. I struggle with migraines is why I'm talking about sickness a lot. So I had to find something that even in the midst of that, I open my door and I don't just happen to go outside, but I purposefully focus on the beauty of nature, the feel of the wind, whatever it is that day. So those are the three things that if I do those, I say, okay, my day was successful. And then about a year ago, I added one more and I kind of give myself a pass on it because it's out of my control if I'm in my home and I can't get out. But if I go out into public, I want to make someone smile, a stranger smile and that's super easy. Hey, I love your cute shoes. Your hair looks so nice. And those are true, honest things. And I just think it's important to to say them. It makes somebody's day. I can think about times when people have said things to me and I probably thought about it too much. Oh, they really liked my shoes. Those are some of the ways I do a lot of goal setting I've always enjoyed that. So like the beginning of the year, my kids go crazy because they're like, oh man, here she goes. She's got her whiteboards out and we're doing goals. We have different categories and then we break down. Goals are just wishes unless you have actions attached to them. So don't give me some BS. You know, I'm like, how are you gonna do it? And when are you gonna do it? And by next week, what's step one? So I like that kind of stuff a lot. I like that big planning. In terms of I like what you said, said interrupted, life interrupted. And when I think about the interruptions in my life, I met John when I was 17. I have never, until the last four years, ever been an adult on my own. I have never dated as an adult. I have never lived alone as an adult. I have never been on my own as an adult. And that is the strangest thing to think. When my husband died, I still find myself watching, I got all boys, so I find myself watching, like, war shows. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe I want to watch some girly rom com. I guess I can. And it wasn't that he controlled me. It's just that I didn't really care. So whatever he liked to do in that realm, by all means, I know all about Star Wars and Star Trek. And I would not. But it's very strange. It's been emotional to say it's okay to do things differently. That's not putting my husband down in any way well an example that was really difficult especially for my oldest i describe myself as like the perfect 1950s husband don't make me buy you a gift don't make me make you dinner just buy yourself something pretty and let's not discuss it that's me now he was a great wife he cooked He took care of the kids great. He was very patient. When there was an issue, they absolutely know it has to be worked through. You had a problem. Now that's going to come down. You're all going to line up. He's going to have you in attention. He's going to lecture to you. You're going to have to make apologies and repairs. And it is it is a process. I learned to do that because that's what he required for his process. Our first few years of marriage were rough. Because I'm like, we fought, we're done. Let's not discuss it again. I'm done. I'm moving forward. We don't apologize in my family and we don't talk about it. So this was really rough. Now, what really shook my world was within about a month of my husband passing away, there was an incident with one of the boys and he went upstairs and it was in the evening and he slammed his bedroom door. And I just was like, you know, he's done. He's angry. I, I'm going to bed, whatever. The next morning I wake up that child's Fine. I'm fine. But my older son was livid. When are you going to take care of this? When are you going to deal with this? And I said, buddy, we're good. I asked him, Hey, do we need to rehash this or did you get out of your system? He said, I'm done. I said, cool. Let's go to school. My older son was just like flabbergasted that I was not going to make this process happen. And it took him a while. That was one of the biggest things of having to be okay with saying, look, dad did it that way and i honored dad and 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 i was fine with it because that's what he felt was necessary it's not necessary for me it is necessary for my older son so if we ever have a disagreement i know that he needs to work through that that day it's fine i love him i care about him i'll do that and i'm not going to put that pressure in my life anymore because i don't need that many words it's those kinds of things where i have to realize I don't have to do it that way. I became the tribe leader by default. It wasn't by choice. There are some things that I do differently. And so that's been a process.
0: Being the mom of boys, you kind of went with the flow. So it sounds like it was a process. First, he was sick, and then you lost him. There was probably a lot of no room for Josiah. (laughs) You know, you're taking care of everyone. Now you're a single mom. With four kids, triplets, yeah. where does self-care fit into this?
1: When John first passed away, I went. My mom really felt like I needed to go to counseling, which I understand that people would feel that way. Now, my background, I've been in real estate for 17 years, but that's because I was forced into real estate. My background and my education is in counseling. So I worked in day treatment I worked with family dynamics at the state for that's really where my heart is. So for me, going back to coaching, working with the elderly, working with widows, that's all a good track for me. I thought that I had done something right and I was very frustrated before John passed away. I brought in a man because I thought that would be a good idea who was like a family dynamics kind of counselor and I brought him to our home so he could meet John and he could meet my boys. And he could be there for the six months before he passed away. So I had a before and an after figure that had knowledge of my kids. I'm thinking this is a good plan. And it was a Christian man. He had a family. It was all good stuff. John dies and he comes to my house. And I think it was the first time he had come back over after John had passed away. And basically he tells me, you've kind of got everything figured out and, and you're, you're doing well. And basically I'm done. Well, that was a waste because really he was just somebody there who wanted to help with problems. Like I can't get my kid to do their homework or my kid's disrespectful. Those are really not my issues. They're a little deeper. That was my experience with counseling with that man. And I was very frustrated. That wasn't for myself. Then my mom wanted me to be in counseling. I said, okay, I'll do it. That'll make you feel better. And I I was struggling. I mean, I was, I was in bed a lot It was not good. So I went to this next lady, and she's the very first thing she says at the counseling appointment. She starts talking about how some butterfly landed on her leg, and it was like it was her grandma and all this. And I'm like, okay, we're out. This is not what I need. So I did. I said, Mom, look, I tried. They weren't good fits. Last year, I decided I am at a point where I could use some systems. I put out a video that said I'm looking for somebody who's not nice. I need somebody who has thick skin. I need, I told them exactly what I want. Don't tell me about your problems. I'm the client now. This is not a friendship. This is you listening to me and responding. And it was like super, most people do not want to counsel me with this video. And I knew that and I was okay with it. Well, I found somebody and it's been good. And she often questions me on self-care. And to me, it's a really hard one because... Like this last year, I started doing some work, working out and sitting in the sauna after I work out. And I feel incredibly spoiled, like a little princess that I'm taking in the middle of the day and I'm working out and I'm sitting in a sauna. It's really hard for me to feel like that's okay to do. And it feels like a big thing. The fact that I'm sitting in my bedroom and I have little cutesy things around me and I've got a Zoom and I can work from home, that feels like self That feels very spoiled. I feel very spoiled when I go outside and I sit in at my, if I can do my, I'll go out later today and start a little campfire and drink my tea. And to me, those simple things feel very, sometimes they feel entitled. And I don't like that. But when I look at them from a point of thankfulness, the exact same activity, if I look at it through the lens of thankfulness, I can accept it better. But for me, it's very small things that make me feel cared for. They're small, usually. I'll tell you how I survived my, my house. Because anybody who's been through loss, whether it's divorce or they had to go back to work, all of a sudden, all the other things that you've got to juggle, I cannot do it all.
0: Have you heard, if not now, when, if not you, then who? Are you being prompted to write a book, to create a podcast? Check out Leaving a Legacy at that's coach www.coachlaurie.com. And let's get started on your second act
1: now. Because anybody who's been through loss, whether it's divorce or they had to go back to work, all of a sudden, all the other things that you've got to juggle, I cannot do it all. So what I did, we have the downstairs where my bedroom is. We have the upstairs where the boys are, and it has a bonus room and a bathroom up there. Pretty much, I probably go upstairs three times a year. I do not look. I do not care. In my world, I can handle a kitchen, a living room, and a kind of a dining room. That's what I can handle. And so if I can keep that somewhat even, and sometimes it's still too much, but if I can keep that sane it's up to them how they take care of their bedrooms i'm not going to worry about it i'm just i just cannot do it my bedroom's a disaster and my bathroom's a disaster i've had to train people how to care for me pretty articulate on what i want if they offer hey oh i would love to help you out and everybody says those kinds of things perfect can you do this for me or would this be putting you out of your way could you pick up my son and being careful never to use or abuse that I don't play the the widow card. So I don't really, if I do, I play it in fun. I sit there and I tell my kids, I need some ice cream because I'm playing the widow card. I'm so sad today. But even John would do that. Occasionally John would sit on the camp, on the couch and he would be like, Can somebody bring that to me? Cancer card. That's how we cope and play. But really, that has been a big deal in my home. I don't do the laundry. I have buckets. I've done some things on Facebook. It's called Not Martha, where I do things differently. Even my kids, they don't even have dressers upstairs anymore. I got tired of laundry going from place to place, never coming back. So the dining room was changed. It looks like an Ikea place with just little bins they've got bins for socks and underwear and they've got places for 30 through 32 30 through whatever long sleeve short sleeve and i just stuff them in there so for right now i just am like this is what it is and defining an someone to advocate for you who's like hey like this modern widows club i just i've been talking with the lady for 2 years and i just last month launched it here in vancouver so we have a monthly meeting and once a year they have like a meeting and a presentations but I'm real excited about that because sometimes people don't know what to do and they don't know how to help. For us as to be able to say, you know what would be really helpful? If you could just literally come sit by me while I do my bills because I'm just stuck. The number of times, and I think that's whether you're divorced, whether you're widowed, whether you're overwhelmed. But the people I've met, they're just like almost in the headlights and you just can't. My bedroom was a disaster and I really just wish I could get my bed to, Let me come, would you like me to come over and just I'll either make your bed for you or I'll be in here. I'll just sit here while you you do you. And just figuring out what do people need in that moment and not try to fix people. I think that's a really big deal is to be like, this is where you are. And if I can come alongside and support you, it was a lady I was working with. This is a real estate world, and she's a widow. And she, old cat was, was really sick. I knew she has no family here. I said, "Do you want me to go with you?" And she's like, "Would you?" Yeah. So I drove her there. I was sat there with her. We, I held her. We, we did the whole thing. And those are the kind of things to me that are super important because. They're real and they involve emotion. That stopping and recognizing that humanity in people is super important.
0: I love what you said about rather than jumping in and fixing everything and making the bed, hey, I'll sit here while you make it if that's what you need. And believe that they're smart, believe they know what they know, and then just be like, how can I help? And honestly mean that yes
1: john and i were really open we couldn't have children for quite a few years my boys are like incredible blessings and miracles each of them and we tried for 10 years and did all the stuff i've had some different interruptions and the fertility thing was a big deal for me i started collecting baby clothes when i was five years old and i remember keeping a dress that my grandfather got me and i said mom i want this one this is for my future daughter which never came about. It's okay. I still have a little box for a granddaughter. Even in high school, I worked in childcare side through the school because I was very much about being a mom. My mom got married at 18, had me right away. So my vision of life was that is what I wanted to do. And so to not be able to have children for 10 years was just devastating, devastating to me. My husband and I both have siblings. We're both the oldest, and then we had two beneath us, both coming from a very conservative Christian background where sex outside of marriage just is a no-no. Four of them, while we are trying to get pregnant, ended up pregnant out of wedlock. I'm going to baby shower after baby shower. I was more bitter about that than I ever was about John dying because my faith had grown by that point. But at that point, I'm like, are you serious, God? I'm doing it right, and you're not giving me a kid? I was livid, and it was really rough. But during that time, I was working with junior high and high school gang kids over in North Portland. To my husband, I said, I am made to be a mom. We both know that. Now, it's been great to be a wife. I'm so glad we had those 10 years without kids. And we did stuff together because I didn't know I wouldn't have them in my retirement. So I'm real thankful now. I said, look, I want to bring in a child who is in who needs some help that most foster parents couldn't do. Because foster parents usually always have their own children, too. And so we brought in a little boy who wasn't safe with other kids, and we had him for a couple of years. And he had multiple failed adoptions, and he's been in and out of jail and all this stuff now. So, you know, we did what we could, but we couldn't keep him and have other children. That was a big deal. Sergio moves on. My husband's a funny guy because he had been working in sales in the steel industry. I had been in in day treatment. My husband is so relational. He's like, I just want us to work together. I want us to work together every day. I finished up that school year. He says, why don't you quit your job? Because apparently right now we're trying, but we can't have children. We will either adopt later or we'll do fast adopt. But why don't you quit your job and we'll do a business together? We quit our jobs. We decide we're going to do an essential oil business because I like chemistry. Well, I like biology and all this. So I'm researching. We have five lines, Essence of Gaia. It's, but we put this all together and we're not going to just sell it small. We're going to just start out going to these big conventions across the country right this is our plan we've dumped everything we've ever saved into it and after all this time I find out I'm pregnant the very first thing in Texas and I remember John is such a sweet man he's telling the people next door to us these two women who were right next door to us he goes over and he's telling them they're pregnant that we just found out they come over and they're like your husband's so sweet he's like he was all teary-eyed and all emotional about talking about it and I'm like yeah we've been trying a long time well, I'm very sick from those essential oils. That would under. He was going back to school. I was working on the emergency placement desk for a number of years when I had D'Amico. We homeschooled Miko until fifth grade. The babies were born when he was five. So he's going into kindergarten. So we're homeschooling. I had no desire to be in real estate. I mean, I absolutely said, I will not do this. And I was just a really horrible person to live with. For a few years, I just complained nonstop that this is where I am. I'm supposed to be home with my kids and this is not what I planned. And I'm just, I'm mad. I think what I've learned, what I really think the difference is between experiencing hardships now versus experiencing hardships 10 years ago, 20 years ago, is that I've had enough hardships and I've been able to get past them and to see that I was such a horrible person during that time. And yet if, if I look at what God was doing, I didn't know cancer was coming up. I didn't know I was going to lose my husband. If I had gotten my way, my kids would have been born 10 years before. I would have had no skills on the market at all because I want, my whole goal was to be a homeschool mom. John would have died and I would have been penniless. I've learned that even though it might not feel good in the moment, I'm going to trust the process and that I can learn from it and make something better from it. Getting into the dating world, one of my TikToks, because I started doing one on, this is the year of the date. I went on one date so far. Went on one date, thumbs down. But as the year of the date is what I've told the kids this is, because I'm prepping them for the reality that you guys are going to be seniors and I'm slowly acclimating them. I had told them for all these years that John and I had talked to them about that. He gave them that permission to know that they are not dishonoring him if and when I potentially get in another serious relationship in the future. But I also didn't need anybody raising my children. They were already 13 to 18. So I, I will always, when people would ask me, are you dating? I'm like, do you know how much testosterone I have in my home? We cannot bring more testosterone in. And honestly, child welfare teaches you a lot. The most common situation for abuse is the male partner to his non-related kids. I wasn't willing to take that risk. Plus, how could I bring that in when we had so much grief to go through? I don't think that would have been fair to me or to them.
0: Well, we're almost out of time, but usually I start with how your life is now and then what happened and you covered that so beautifully. It sounds like you're kind of in this place even again of transition because your kids are going to graduate. You're going to be an empty nester maybe if they move out and you're thinking about dating. So you've got
1: this kind of new life to adjust to. What is it you really want people to know? In most situations, I'm going to say there are a few outliers where you're just stuck and we're not going to talk about those but in almost all situations if you truly don't just think of this as a facebook little you know blip a monday motivational post a little thing you put on your wall with some cute words but if you sincerely choose joy and you sincerely seek an understanding of who you are And what you want out of life and break it down to manageable bites. I have learned it does take a moment of pausing and determining who am I on my own as a 50 year old woman. One thing I can tell you, I'm great with my age and I'm great with my weight. And I'm thrilled to be able to say that because age hasn't bothered me. Although losing John, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, if I'm going to go in the dating world, I mean, John saw me when I was 20 and still thought I looked that great, but There's been a little bit of a pause of, huh, I guess I'm good enough. I won't allow that to affect me. And weight has been a huge thing in my life, humongous. One of my goals this year, I put my scale away. I won't get on it for a year. For me personally, that's huge because I would work out and I'd feel like, oh, I feel like I've lost a few pounds and I'd get on the scale. And if the scale told me I lost a few pounds, I'd be happy and proud. And if it didn't, I'd be disappointed. And I thought, well, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. A pound or two. Really? That's going to determine my worth and how I feel to. No. Carve out time in your calendar. You can call it self-care, but really it's about focusing on what matters to you and where do you want to be next year in five years? Because for me, I've always said, if I'm the same person next year that I am today, I'm disappointed because I will always be growing and changing and learning. What are you reading or what do you recommend? Talk like Ted. I like that book. I always like Good to Great. Well, Josiah, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Do you have brain fog? Are you exhausted all the time? Do you struggle with depression? How about cravings? Imagine an enzyme that turns sugar into fiber. For a link to order your bottle, email me at lacoach at comcast.net. That's L-A-C-O-A-C-H at comcast.net. Coach Lori here. Click the affiliate link. What we learned from Josiah is our job is not to fix. Our job is to walk alongside, trust the process of what we're going through, and never underestimate the value of self-care. If you love this podcast, here's a big ask. Will you share with your friends and family? Subscribe, give us a review, and a five-star rating so that others looking to reinvent their lives will be able to get the help they're looking for. Thank you in advance.